The Anchored City podcast is recorded in Anchorage, Alaska, on the traditional lands of the Denina Athabascan people. This episode discusses homelessness and suicide. Listeners are asked to use their discretion when listening. The wisest man never told, and I cast aside my worries and just went digging for gold. And I will scale the highest mountains, looking for the bluest blue. But of all the roads I I just, I can't have you. Welcome to the Anchored City Podcast, where we're connecting with Anchorage's soul through her history, stories, and people. I'm your host, Joel Kiekenfeld. In Season 3, last year, we focused our attention on homelessness. In recent years, homelessness has been persistently in the news and has taken the form of a wicked problem that seems nearly impossible to solve or even alleviate. Driving through the city, it's nearly impossible to not see our unhoused neighbors. Large camps on 2nd Avenue downtown and behind Lowe's in Midtown are unavoidable. Debates over the location and the amount of homeless shelter space needed in the city continue. In light of our current situation, I wondered how long Anchorage has had people experiencing homelessness. In the quarter century I've lived in the city, the amount of visibly homeless residents has certainly gone up. But when did homelessness in Alaska's largest city begin? To answer that question, I dove into the Anchorage Daily News archives and began looking for the first reference to homelessness as we understand it today. What I found was very interesting. In the early years of the city, the 19-teens, 20s, and 30s, references to homelessness in the newspaper were typically tied to victims of natural disasters like floods, earthquakes, or fires. There were also stories of homelessness in large cities like New York and Paris. Once World War II started, the majority of the references to homeless persons were in relation to the devastation caused by that war in Europe. As I searched, I uncovered a few interesting things. On January 29 of 1935, the Empress Theater was advertising a film titled Wild Boys of the Road. The ad read, in part, showing positively tonight only, girls living like boys, Boys living like savages. Half a million of them roaming our country today, homeless, reckless, lawless. See their shocking story. The most terrifying menaces at large today. Thousands of wild boys and girls joining the army of the wayward. More every day. Reckless savages living like wild animals. Don't miss their story. Told here for the first time. Wild Boys of the Road. Starring Frankie Darrow, Dorothy Coonan, and Rochelle Hudson. Clench your fists, grit your teeth, harden your heart, be as cold as you wish, but this shocking story of abandoned youth will get you, and get you hard before it's over. The film played at 8pm along with a cartoon musical comedy called Winter Thrills. In contrast, I ran into a story from February 1919 that painted a more hopeful picture of homeless boys. The headline read, 
America is the land of opportunity, with the subtitle stating, Case of Former Governor Brady of Alaska Cited as Instance. The article stated, America as the land of opportunity, even for street waifs, orphans, and foundlings, was recalled by the recent death in Sitka, Alaska, of John G. Brady, former governor of the territory. And the fact that when a child, young Brady had been taken from an almshouse and placed into the custody of the Children's Aid Society of New York, which educated him and placed him on the road to fame and fortune. The rest of the article praised the work of the Children's Aid Society over the preceding 50 years. By the time my dive into the archives reached the 1940s, the language around homelessness had begun to shift. In October of 1940, the Anchorage Times ran a story with the headline, 50 Homeless in Fairbanks, Douglas Tells of Crowded Conditions in the North. The Douglas mentioned in the headline was the Alaska representative of the Heinz Company. Douglas had just come back from Fairbanks and, according to the article, reported, crowded conditions that far surpass anything prevailing locally. He was quoted as saying, The men are actually walking the streets without even a chair for the night. All of the houses are full. Shacks have been fixed up and rented by the month. In Anchorage, there are men sleeping on Davenports and hotel lobbies and homes, garages, porches, and in woodsheds. But besides having all of that, in Fairbanks, there are men paying to sleep in parked automobiles and other nooks and corners. Adding to the picture of the housing shortage in Alaska cities in the pre-war era painted by Douglas is a story from three years later, in September of 1943, that detailed the approval of a 15-unit housing complex by the Federal Public Housing Authority. The building was being built to house the staff of the Federal Weather Bureau, who were struggling to find housing, which the article called an acute problem. As I continued to flip through news story after news story, Looking at the history of homelessness in Anchorage, one story struck me and struck me hard. That story is up next. And there are deserts that I have yet to cross. And I have dreamed of faraway places where imagination just gets lost. And I would search the wide world over. On the cover of the Saturday, June 23, 1945 edition of the Anchorage Daily Times, there was a heartbreaking story. On Wednesday, June 20, Lewis Bircher, a Palmer-based cab driver, was driving to Sutton when he saw a woman walking down the road. He stopped to ask if she needed a ride. The woman replied, Lewis, I'm in a hell of a fix. I have no home and no place to stay. She accepted the ride, but according to the news account, she was moody and silent during the drive. Bircher dropped her in Sutton. Later that same day, a road commission truck driver saw her walking down the road near Granite Creek. On his return trip, the driver did not see the woman, and he figured she'd been picked up by a passing car. The next day, railroad workers discovered a woman's body washed up on the bank of the Matanuska River, three miles below Granite Creek. They notified the U.S. Commissioner, Walter E. Huntley, in Palmer. The commissioner and the coroner's office investigated. Going off the reports from the taxi driver and the road commission trucker, they went to Granite Creek, where they discovered women's footprints that led from the Granite Creek Bridge about 200 feet along the river. 
At that point, the footprints disappeared into the icy glacier gray waters of the Matanuska River. It was concluded that Mrs. Margaret Kretzler had walked into the river and killed herself. During the past three years, Margaret Kretzler had lived in Anchorage and in Palmer. The only other reference I was able to uncover about her, in addition to the newspaper report of her death, was a notice that ran in the Daily Times in the classified ads on page 5 on Wednesday, January 20, 1943. The notice read like this, I will no longer be responsible for the debts contracted by my wife, Mrs. Margaret Kretzler, Joseph C. Kretzler. While the details are unknown, Margaret's desperate death in this notice more than hint at a life unraveled or unraveling. The story of her death contained one more detail. The newspaper wrote, A homeless woman from Alabama who had no place to stay in Alaska ended her life by jumping into the Matanuska River near Sutton while her mother was trying to send money to help her return home. Looking through the archives to uncover the history of homelessness in Anchorage, a history I'm sure is largely lost due to the nature of being unhoused and the invisibility we often assign to those on the street, I was struck by a few things. The stereotypes used to sell the movie Wild Boys of the Road was filled with examples of how unhoused people are seen. As savages, a menace, lawless, reckless, an army of wayward people living like animals, and though that film was made in 1933, not much has changed in the way that we often characterize people experiencing homelessness. I found it interesting that 80 years ago, the city was facing a housing crisis and that all across the Northland, there was overcrowding. Throughout our season on the Hydra of Homelessness last year, the need for more housing throughout the city and state came up time and time again. It seems little has changed in the last 80 years. And then there's the story of Margaret Kretzler, a tragic story that begs the question, what happened to her? What did she go through? A story made all the more devastating knowing that her mother was seeking to bring her home. Margaret, like all the unhoused residents of our city, was someone's daughter and human, just like all of us. Homelessness has been with us a long time and will continue to be with us. And that might make it feel like there's nothing possible. But on our next episode, we're going to consider what is possible in the area of homelessness. Until next time, I'm Joel Kiekenfeld. Be good out there. Thank you so much for listening. We're grateful for you, our listeners. If you are grateful for what you're hearing, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen. And recommend us to your friends. Those are small things, but they make a huge difference. 
The Anchored City Podcast is a production of the Anchorage Urban Training Collaborative. The mission of the collaborative is to train the heads, hearts, and hands of urban leaders to love their city and seek its peace. When we say peace, we mean a desire to see a world where all things are the way they're supposed to be for all people. Find us online at anchorageutc.org or on social media at anchorageutc. Resources used to make this episode can be found in the show details. Our theme music is by Anchorage's own Monica Lemmer.